Second Corinthians chapter one verses nine and ten. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. Now there's a comma at the end of that, but we're going to pretend it's a period for the time being and bow our heads together and ask the Lord to bless this lesson tonight. Heavenly Father, grateful are we, Father, that we might come together this evening. I thank you, Father, that we can always take joy in knowing the presence of Jesus with us when we are gathered in his name. We pray, Father, that he would be honored, he would be glorified, you would be glorified, Father, as we consider your word and then come before you, Lord, together, seeking you for a time. I thank you, Lord, for the privilege that we have in this. It's a good decision, Father. To come up into the house of the Lord and to seek you and to spend this time in fellowship as you have called us to. Help us to make good decisions, Father, as we pursue you. Bless this time we have together tonight, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I, uh, as I was putting this lesson together, there were a number of times when I thought, you know what, I might have to just put a little disclaimer here that I by no means mean to be snarky tonight when I talk, when I present to you what the Lord has put on my heart, and I don't. I don't mean any kind of snark, but it might come out as snarky. Uh, Paul was oftentimes, is oftentimes accused of being arrogant, of being boastful, of being braggy, of being a number of other things, and he wasn't any of those things. So I'm certainly not going to liken myself to the Apostle Paul, but uh, I will just say from the outset, I don't mean to be snarky here at all. I'm just trying to call things as they are. Um, And things as they are, are... Well, let me just put it this way. I wish I had a dollar for every time I had been suggested to or just flat out told that the things of faith and Christian uh, trust in God was foolish, was dumb, or was in some manner unintelligent or ignorant at best. Uh, They always said something along the lines of, well, to believe in an unseen God, an un an unheard God, an unfill-in-the-blank God, a non-existent, some big powerful force out there, some big intelligent being. To believe such things, that's just silly. That's just silly, and you're just, you know, people just are looking for something to lean on in the absence of, well, fortitude or conviction and other things. And so, yeah, oftentimes it's just presented as being dumb. And in my mind, when oftentimes when you get into a conversation with these ones who present it so, you find very quickly that that take that they have is rather lazy, uh, uninformed, certainly uneducated. It's a blind stance to take. And I would even go so far as to say it's careless because most of these ones who say that's just dumb, there's no evidence to this existence of God, haven't taken the time to even consider what, what we even believe is evidence to his uh, existence, his reality, and all of those things. And once you get into it and you look at different things, honestly, to take that stance is to dismiss the evidence that we know to be true. We see it in creation, the evidence of, of God's handiwork, of his existence, of his, well, his power and his might. We see his presence in history. We see his presence in the testimony of Jesus, in his birth, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, yet to be refuted with any kind of evidence to the contrary. And that's what it comes down to is oftentimes it's faith is presented as the unintelligent without a intelligent counter to it. Or some evidence-supported, evidence-based alternative to the explanations that we have for creation, 
for the existence of Jesus and for the existence of faith and, and the blessings that he has in our own heart. They can't give a counter to it with any kind of supportable evidence. Now, oftentimes, those ones who oppose the things of God, they have their theories and they have their suppositions and they speculate. And, and even in the name of science, they say, well, we believe that this is so and this is so. And I want you to understand, I don't stand against science. Oftentimes, science is the very evidence that we have that God is existent. I mean, you can look at it and you can see what he has done. Uh, but you'll hear different ones. They'll say, Okay, so precise, organized, intelligent design and even life itself is a product of just simple time, long time, eons of time, and just need. That just things evolved because over time it was recognized by creation's self that it needed something. It needed to grow fur because it was cold. It needed to grow whatever. I'm not going to get in all of the... the different things that are there and the arguments that we have against such things. But, well, they argue against these things. You know, these things just occurred. You know, creation occurs because there was a small, long time ago, a small little particle that went boom and everything became what it was and then evolved over time without any kind of speculation as to or logic as to where that atom came from. There can be no such thing as this great existent intelligent being that existed before everything without any kind of beginning? Well, where did the atom from the Big Bang come from? Uh, <laughs> no. you know, is a double standard a sign of intelligence? Because that's what I'm curious about. There are double standards that are presented there. No explanation to the origin of, of certain things that they base themselves on. And yet we're ignorant. Ignorant. And, and faith is, is a lack of intelligence and a lack of conviction. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 27 says, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen those very things. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh of glory in His presence. Far be it from me to be snarky about what I believe to be intelligent and what I know to be intelligent in trusting in the Lord. Because it's not a boast in my flesh. It's a boast in Him and what He's done. It's a boast in Him and His power. It's a boast in Him and what He has promised and what He has established as well who He is for anybody to see. Uh, it's, nothing, it's nothing in us who have seen it and who have believed it. You know, it is intelligence. If you want to define intelligence as the ability to receive knowledge and apply knowledge, well, that's what we are. We have received knowledge and we have applied it. It's intelligence. Intelligence is trusting God, seeing Him for who He is, what He has done, what He is doing, knowing the testimony you have of yourselves, knowing the testimony of those that you trust, recognizing that information and applying it to your very lives. That's simple intelligence at a very basic level. Fundamental definition. Intelligence is trusting God to do what He has always done, what He is doing in your life, and what He's promised to do. That's what Paul, that's what Paul was presenting here in our passage. I'm not here to criticize tonight. Again, I want to make that plain. Just want to encourage you to be as Paul, as Paul was. Have the ability to acquire and apply information. And in our text, Paul relates that state of mind that he had during an event 
No, it took place. A lot of people point to that riot in Ephesus as being the, the situation that he was dealing with here. It might have been. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 8, he's speaking to those Corinthian saints, expressing that whatever the situation was, whatever the scenario was, he felt he was in mortal danger. We do not want you to be ignorant, he says in verse 8, just prior to our passage. We do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Ever felt like your life was threatened? I mean, like actually, like I could be checking out right here. This could be it right now. I've been there. Have you? Perhaps you have. Car bearing down on you and you know it's, it's curtains for you. Certain ones have jobs where your lives are put in jeopardy. Have you ever felt like it's over? I'm drowning right now. I'm stuck in, my foot is stuck in the swimming pool or whatever the case might be. It's okay to fight for your life. You know, you understand that. If you're attacked, God, I don't believe God faults you for reflexively fighting back someone who's trying to kill you. That's our natural reflex. But the fact of the matter is, is that overall that umbrella is that you still trust the Lord for that, right? You still trust the Lord to do what's right, to empower you if that's what's needed, and to, well, in the worst case scenario, take you if that's what's needed. Despite your power, despite your capability, despite your every effort to take you home and overrule in that situation, we trust Him for that, don't we? And that's what He did there, as Paul states. He says, yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves in verse 9. He believed the danger was real. He believed the danger was mortal. But his response was not a typical one there. He says that we should not trust. The result was that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. He trusted God in that moment. And in those times away from those moments, in preparation for those moments, and as a result of those moments, he realized, you know what, I need to trust the Lord in those situations. Yes, I can fight and have a reflexive response, If that's what I do in the moment, but if the Lord gives me something else to do in the moment, or if while I'm fighting I can be praying, and just the umbrella should be faith in the Lord in that moment. The reflex should be trusting the Lord in that moment. He trusted God in the moment, in that time frame that he was given in that situation. Acting in defense of himself, whatever the situation might have been, perhaps... He he appealed to Caesar. It was a natural, practical response later on when he was in Jerusalem. He appealed to Caesar. That was the natural thing to do. I'm going to hold to my rights here. But at the same time, he was trusting God to rule and overrule. And the Lord did. Absolutely did. Took him to Rome in in that manner. Trusting God to do what he willed was what Paul's reflex was. His default was. Why did he trust God? Simple enough question, right? Why do we trust God? Do you trust God in all situations, in most situations? Do you know what it is to trust God for this situation? I don't know what to do with this, or I know what I want to do with this. I I have no clue what to do. Whatever the situation might be, do you trust the Lord for that? You put it into His hands? How come? Well, simply because it's intelligent. It's smart to trust God. What do I mean by that? Because we've been given the evidence, right? We've been given the evidence and we believe the evidence. We've seen him for who he is and what he does, what he has done for us, what he's done for others. And so we know that we can depend and rely on him for that. It's evidence-based is what it is. No matter how unintelligent you might be told for believing an unseen God, every opportunity, 
At every opportunity, I'm looking for the Lord. And so often I do see Him in a number of different things that people might not understand when they're not looking for Him in the same way that we are. I'm not crafting a means by which I can see the Lord. He's given us eyes like a dove, speaks to us via the Spirit, so that we might see certain things. And we have that evidence. I know that I feel like garbage if I eat four donuts. I know that I do. So I don't eat four donuts. Stop at three. You know, that's what I, that's what I do. Hold, hold back. Because I know how I'm going to feel afterward. I know what God has done in me. I know what He has done in you. It's not created. It's not made up. It's not fabricated. I know what He has done. And based on that experience, based on that evidence... Based on the power that's reinforced when I look at the existence of creation. Based on the truth that Jesus was born of a virgin, lived a life of perfection, by all accounts, went to the grave by all accounts, and was raised again with no body to be found by all accounts. That's enough evidence for me. It's intelligent to trust this God. Why did he do it? Because he saw the evidence, Paul, in verse 10. Who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us. He's in, the, he's in the, the business of doing that. In whom we trust that he will still deliver us. He had the evidence. And so Paul simply followed the evidence. Because Paul was intelligent in the Lord. He'd received information. And he'd applied that information. And he knew it to be so. Just like uh, Abraham. Just like Abraham. I'll just, I'll just take you to Hebrews 11. We'll just skip a couple verses here just to wrap things up. In Hebrews verses or Hebrews 11, verses 17 and 19. You understand what Abraham did with Isaac, right? Skipping over Acts 20. In Hebrews 11, verse 17, the writer of Hebrews gives this testimony. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. You're going to be the father of a great nation. Abraham, I want you to slay your son Isaac. This one through whom I have promised to make you a great nation. Abraham could have said, I don't see how this can be done. This is impossible, Lord. You've got it wrong. This can't be so. No, it's not how it worked out, right? Uh, Of whom it was said in Isaac, your seed shall be called. Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. That's faith. That's trusting God based on the evidence. Not that he had perhaps seen someone raised from the dead, but because he knew who God was. He knew what God had done. He knew what God was doing in his life. Knew that he was the Almighty God. Could see creation that God had crafted with his own hands. And he knew that he was capable. Able to raise him up even from the dead. From which he also received him in a figurative sense. Saints, that's a different mindset, Abraham's. It was a different mindset that Paul had. Different than most Believers, I would even go so far as to say. But it is an intelligence in the Lord that we can all have and we all should have. We have received the information that God is who He is, does what He does, is doing what He's doing, and will do what He will do. We can apply that information. Intelligence, intelligence, true intelligence, is trusting in the Almighty God, recognizing Him for who He is and believing it, no matter what anyone might say.